Welcome to Milo Time, where we dive into the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with my beautiful, amazing, awesome, fantastic boy, Milo. Welcome to another episode of Milo Time. Daryl Kessler along with Lisa Cohen. Hi. Hi, Lisa. And once again, I want to mention to our listening audience, we apologize if they're hearing jackhammering in the background (laughs) or any other construction noise. Uh, As we mentioned on the last episode of Milo Time, um, the studio now sits in a construction zone. So we apologize if you hear any noise in the background. It is... Although Lisa and I might both be a little bit hungry right now. It's not our stomachs growling or anything like that. Um, You might hear stomach growling too. Yeah, right. It might be that as well. It might be that as well. So at the end of the last episode of Milo Time called Drone Shaming, I mentioned the Jacques Tati movie Playtime and that it was on Milo's list and he gave it a very high mark and Max watched it because of Milo's high mark and Milo's review. And then Max encouraged Alana and me to watch the movie as well. And only once Alana and I watched the movie, which is sort of invites you to draw your own conclusions because the director, it's a very creative movie and there's very little dialogue and there's definitely conflicting views on what exactly um, the director was saying. But only after Alana and I watched it did I read Milo's review, which I want to share with you now. So this is about Jacques Tati's Playtime, which was made in 1968. And this is Milo's review on December 30th, 2021. Uh, Milo wrote, I thought the first hour was decent. I love the commentary on how the world has become so constantly in your face and how society has become so consumerist. I also really enjoyed how they kept showing technological advancements, which were supposed to make things easier, but were really more trouble than they were worth. The foresight shown was overall very impressive, as it really got the nature of our mile-per-minute world correct. Also, the way that it was filmed, with the faraway shots and indistinct-slash-inaudible dialogue, really worked. It really added to the chaos that the movie was intending to create. I was a little worried that the message would get repetitive if they kept hitting the audience over the head with it, and that is kind of what happened. Mm -hmm. But the entire restaurant scene was so funny that it easily made up for it. The guy opening and closing the glass door that wasn't really there got me every time. I definitely found the second hour more enjoyable than the first. Also, respect for the very brief, but still present mention of the racism that existed in the 60s. Overall, very well put together, funny and impressive movie. And that was Milo's review of Jacques Tati's Playtime. Very good. And it really is good, and it's such a funny thing because it's, again, there are, there are divergent views on what that movie's all about. But one thing that Alana and I talked about after we saw the movie, but before I had read that review, at least, was that in this movie that anticipates in 1968 a very structured, hyper-technical future that, in fact, makes life much more confusing and less mm-hmm. enjoyable, one of the scenes that Milo mentions at the end is this elaborate dinner party that takes place at the end of the movie. It's really like the last 45 minutes of the movie. And what happens at this dinner party is this chaotic, uh, this world that is intended in the future to be very contained, very technological, very clean, everything right in its place. Everything comes crashing down at this dinner. Mm -hmm. It's at a new restaurant and everything falls apart. 
And when you see the movie, only at that dinner, with literally the ceiling caving in, the restaurant runs out of food, people are getting drunk, people are showing up and leaving, nobody has reservations, only once chaos ensues at this dinner do people start having fun. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) the movie, I hadn't thought of it until Alana and I were talking about it, until Alana and I were talking about it after the movie, only is like humanity involved with a little bit of chaos. And once there's chaos there and things start to break down from this hyper Mm -hmm. technical new world, do people have fun and does people's humanity come out? Mm -hmm. And um, anyway... Just that finishes the thought from the last episode of Milo Time. And nice. Lisa, I wonder if you have something to pick um, from the list of things Milo loved for this episode of Milo Time. Yes, I do. Well, thank you for that. That's uh, that is tremendous. Uh, sounds like a great movie and, and tremendous review from. Milo. Yeah. Um, Jim Jones, <laughs> which I sort Jim of read Jones. as Cajonas. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's actually. It's a perfect name to pick, and it's a perfect episode to discuss in light of. I mean, I think we can make this work. Um, Jim Jones. <laughs> thread the needle. Okay, let's see it. if we can thread the needle <laughs> here. Jim Jones was a uh, really good basketball player a little before my time. I'm going to say he was in the 60s and the early 70s. But he became known to Milo and me because. Milo and I would watch a lot of NBA basketball when he was treating. We purchased this option on Verizon Fios through maybe Time Warner where you get the NBA package and you could watch every NBA game every night. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of long nights while Milo was treating and a lot of nights of stress and anxiety. And there were a lot of nights when we would watch the NBA until the last game from the West Coast was over. Mm -hmm. So we watched a ton of NBA basketball over the course of a year. And the thing about this NBA package that was available through our cable carrier was that they would show the game with the local announcers. (laughs) And Milo loved listening to the local announcers do the games. Ah, In particular, Jim Jones, who was the announcer, I'm pretty sure, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nice. And... So, so he just to be clear, he was on the he was on like the radio in Cleveland, or yeah. he was. I'm not sure whether he's the radio announcer or the oh, okay. TV announcer, but okay. either way, it was the feed right. that was available through our cable company's package. So I when see. we would watch a Cleveland Cavaliers broadcast, yeah. Jim Jones would be on the that broadcast. That does sound like a better way to watch. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the thing that's so interesting about it is that you realize that. Um, you know, living in New York, I think that there's an expectation that New York is a close stepping stone to becoming like a national personality. Like Mike Breen, mm. who does the Nick games, mm-hmm. is also the voice of the NBA on its national broadcast. Mm-hmm. And Ian Eagle, who does the Nets games, is now like sort of a big national voice mm-hmm. in both college basketball and NFL football, and I think um, even does some NBA games as well. Right. So I think the idea is that in New York, sort of if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere, that idea. Right. And um, this is not to be critical of anywhere else but New York, but it's just a fact of the matter that it seemed to Milo and me that the broadcasters in some of these other jurisdictions <laughs> were really more homers um, in in sports parlance and really there because they were famous players 
um, for well, those part teams. part of the community. They're not, and part they're of the not community. telling you about it. They're right, and they're it. sort of rooting for the team. Sure. They're sort of rooting for the team. And that's not to say that that isn't how people initially get the job here in New York. Clyde Frazier is, mm-hmm. was, is one of the two or three greatest Knicks of all time, mm-hmm. if not the greatest Nick of all time, and is also a very beloved mm-hmm. announcer here um, in New York. And certainly, currently, if you listen to Nets broadcast. Nets, I wouldn't call him great, but Nets very good. Richard Jefferson mm-hmm. is involved in the broadcast. And Vince Carter, truly an NBA great, has been doing some of the broadcast. But it seems to us that there's a certain standard. Or is there going to be a Nets cast? <laughs> Maybe there will be. Are you, are you itching for one, Lisa? Absolutely are not. You in? Somebody are you in? Is. Somebody not is me. itching. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, anyway, Milo and I loved listening to the local broadcasts. Mm-hmm. And if I could go back to that idea of that Milo's review of that movie Playtime, the broadcasts were just chaotic. Mm -hmm. They're just chaotic. It doesn't sound like a corporate-sounding broadcast. Right, he's just a guy. He's just a a beloved community figure and a beloved former player. He's not listening to Suits. Offering, no, right, 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 offering, and he's beloved. So he can say whatever he wants, and he can complain about the officiating every (laughs) single game, and he can talk so positively about the team, even when they're losing yep. or on a losing yep. streak. Yep. And I think there was something about sort of the the chaos of those broadcasts that Milo liked. And talking about NBA chaos, I mean, again, with these, with these episodes, we can really go in a million different directions. But in particular, in NBA games, we can come back to Jim Jones, but when we talk about chaos in NBA games, one thing Milo loved about any NBA game, really, was the in-game jump ball. Mm-hmm. This is um, <laughs> at the start of a game. An NBA game starts with a jump ball from mm-hmm. midcourt when the two, usually the two biggest players on the team on each team, jump for possession of the ball. It's considered either team's ball, and the team that wins the jump ball gains possession. But during the game, if the ball's tied up or mm-hmm. the ball goes out of bounds mm-hmm. and it's not clear to the officials who the ball went off of, there can be an in-game jump ball. And Milo loved the in-game jump ball because it often involved two players who did not typically take jump balls. Right, and so it was the two, big, two players two fighting tied for the ball. Up, yeah, whatever right, it was. Right. And the refs were throwing it from a weird spot on the floor. Mm-hmm. So it always ended up, it seemed to us, in like sloppy tosses by the official, mm-hmm. guys banging into each other. You're threading like, you the know, needle there. Yeah, I am threading the needle a little <laughs> bit. And it was a little bit of chaos in an NBA game that was like very locked down for the most part. Yeah. And Milo loved it. Yeah. He loved both the local broadcast and what that brought to like sort of a sloppiness that uh-huh. made it more entertaining and more fun. And then the in-game jump ball he thought was just hilarious. And I would encourage anybody out there next time you're watching an NBA game, pay attention yeah. because Milo <laughs> always noted it. And because he noted it, I now always note it. And almost always, if there's an in-game jump ball, there's some sloppiness going on there. Mm-hmm. They have to rethrow it. Mm-hmm. One player bumps Somebody into another pants. guy. So, <laughs> I mean, not quite pants, but it did have that kind of feel sometimes. Yes. You kind of thought that that might actually happen. Um, and um, that was just a part of that chaos that um, I think if we go from Jim Jones, if we start at playtime, we go to Jim Jones, we go to the in-game jump ball, some of that um, chaos. That's not to suggest that Milo was routinely an agent of chaos, but I think that was some things that made Milo laugh that he loved generally when things that were so well planned would go mm-hmm. a little bit off track mm-hmm. and then make them more fun. Right. And when we're talking about 
Jim Jones. Now, actually, I hadn't thought about this guy before either, but there was a a, a famous, infamous uh, NFL player by the name of Akib Talib, who was a famously good cornerback, but was sort of infamous because he was involved in a number of incidents when he was an NFL player. He ripped the gold chain off of another player's neck mid-game in an NFL game and almost started a complete brawl. Mm. Um, And he's now, I think, he was involved in something off the field. I I, I don't want to say the story because I'm sure I'm not going to get it right, but I want to say that his brother was involved in some illicit activity um, involving like a local travel base basketball organization. Anyway, Akib Talib was often in the news, often for his tremendous play and often for his um, questionable, colorful behavior. And he was actually brought in to be a color commentator on NFL games on one of the networks on mm-hmm. CBS or Fox. And Milo loved him immediately because unlike any other broadcaster, he appeared to have no... <laughs> like filter at all uh-huh. and no he must not have training long. right and, yeah. and and that's not to say that like the greg olsons and the tony romos are good we find them endlessly annoying mm-hmm. doing their nfl broadcast but akib talib spoke like a regular person right. just sitting there yeah. um broadcasting the game and saying things that no other announcer would say and milo immediately loved him right. Right. this idea that cbs or fox was spending all this money on this mm-hmm. broadcast and everything was so buttoned down yeah. and Akib Talib would come on the broadcast and just like talk <laughs> like a regular person uh-huh. out of nowhere and that no one would check his behavior, check his broadcasting. And um, he actually said a lot of really interesting things, but he said it in a way that was totally unique. And uh, again, maybe we've gone far afield from the original idea, <laughs> but I think generally the idea that um, if we take something that is very buttoned down by design and throw a little chaos in it. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. We can always hope that something better comes out the other end. I guess that was uh, maybe, maybe that's um, a little further afield than Milo would have acknowledged it, but maybe there is a unifying philosophy in all these things we've discussed on this episode of Milo time. I like it. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Milo time. Thank you, Lisa. And of course, stay tuned for sweet lefty by the idea of machines. And of course, Join us next time when we once again look at the list of things that Milo loved.